obviously when all this is over sure like i'd love a pedicure uh, i'd love to get back to yoga um all of those things but then you know this has also made me realize that self-care doesn't have to be all of these these things it can be something so simple and it can have such an impact on your day Hello caregivers, welcome to my podcast. This is a place for helping professionals and personal caregivers to share openly and honestly about the true hardships of providing care to others, while we also talk about sustainable solutions to self-care and personal wellness. My name is Amanda Rochelow. I am a registered social worker and a compassion fatigue specialist, and I am committed to helping the helpers. So I am here with Lacey Kempinski, and I'm going to pass the mic over to you and get you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Awesome. Well, thanks. Before I introduce myself, thanks so much, Amanda, for uh, having me on and, and finding the time to uh, do the podcast. It's, it's a bit more challenging these days. So yes, my name is Lacey Kempinski. I'm a certified fundraising professional. Um, and I've been in the nonprofit sector for over 10 years now. I'm a fundraising specialist and owner of my own company called Balanced Good. Um, and this is relatively new. I launched my company uh, last year um, and it's really focused on helping small nonprofits um, and mid-sized nonprofits build and develop their fundraising program with a focus on, on major gifts. But recognizing that the nonprofit sector really needs help and support this, um, especially when there's small shops that don't have access to skilled fundraisers. So trying to take a little bit of work off people's desks, help them find balance. Uh, well, I also find balance. So my business is also centered around the fact that I'm a mother of two busy boys, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and I have another baby on the way. Um, mm -hmm. And I wanted to set an example for them. Um, I wanted them to see what you can do in your community, and I wanted to spend more time with them. So. Um, you know, I, I focus on that. I also volunteer with the Association of Fundraising Professionals. I'm on the board of directors um, as the membership uh, co-chair and, um, you know, really involved in the philanthropic community. Uh, so, you know, when we met at the Association of Fundraising Professionals in November, I was, I was super excited to meet you, learn more about compassion fatigue, and I'm so happy it brought us here to this conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, just that intro right there is like, it it tells me that you've got a very full life yet at the same time you've been focused on this idea of balance so mm -hmm. you and i are definitely on the same wavelength when it comes to that um so so you you, you created a business you 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 you're focused on on balance um and and having that in your life bringing that to other people so that comes from somewhere there's some inspiration and it's usually the pain points that you have seen in your own life or in other people so tell me a little bit more about um why you found balance to be such an important focus and, and where did that come from? What, what was the struggle that either you've seen um, uh, with people uh, struggling with balance or maybe the struggle you've had with balance in your own life? Mm -hmm. So I think there's, it's completely twofold with me. And I, I always said balance, but as I'm on this journey and learning so much more about balance, it's really about a blend. 
Um, mm -hmm. You know, you kind of have to fit everything all in together and, and, and feel that wave and, you know, that blend of work, life, self-care, all of that. Um, so the first reason really for me, you know, that I identify that there's this challenge with balance, especially in the nonprofit sector, is just hearing from everybody about how stressed they are, how overworked they are, how tired they are, um, how they feel like they don't have enough time in the day, how things like getting kids to their sports becomes a chore instead of a piece of enjoyment because, you know, you have to do a late night conference call or you have a board meeting, but you have to get your, your son to hockey. Um, and these are just kind of anecdotal, um, you know, things that I've heard, but, you know, everybody's, you know, everybody's so busy now and and I was fine with that until I had kids and then I was like ah, now I see why people are saying this and I felt like I was missing a lot of time with my children and they really are young for such a short period of time so um that was kind of one point as I saw it from a lot of other people and the struggle with balance and something just wasn't sitting right with me um, the other point was my personal experience as I entered motherhood. Um, I really struggled with postpartum depression and anxiety um, and going through that and then kind of getting onto the journey of feeling healthier and, and you know, having that mental clarity made me realize again that I don't want to feel like I'm in this nine to five work grind. I want to take a little bit of you know, empower myself and take back a bit of my balance and blend so I can do what I need to do for myself and my family um, when I need to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it, it's so true that when we're talking about uh, work-life balance, that it's not just a matter of making time for everything um if if time were the only factor well you know what like it's this is where we can like bring in pandemic talk right here right now yeah. because all of a sudden there's like okay well i could look at my life and be like well i'm saving time i don't commute to work anymore or anything like that yet the feelings of fatigue burnout the the overlapping things of you know of all the needs and and areas of my life you know, it, it can still lead to those feelings of, of stress and, and, and even increase our risk of burnout. So it's not just a boil, it doesn't just boil down to time. Mm -hmm. um, I think the things that I heard you saying was, you know, like recognizing the, the, the competing needs in your life, um, value conflict, right? Like I know for me as a mom, I'm like, you know, I always envision myself being that mom mm -hmm. that you know was present and then and then as i found myself being a working mom i was like oh <laughs> this is like even I, it's fun to say that that's what i value but like it, it turns out i'm not living my life in sync with that value um i'm not always present physically and then even sometimes when i'm physically present i'm not here mentally so mm -hmm. um yeah um what can you be more specific about some of the things that you noticed in terms of your own feelings or your own behaviors that started to you know kind of set off the alarm bells for yourself that were like oh i'm i'm falling into that that place where i didn't want to be or made me feeling yeah. more burnt out yeah so after i had my first son and he's four now um and yeah i have to say and preface all of this all of my journey into starting my own business is surrounded by my journey into motherhood. Um, they're very mm -hmm. intertwined. Um, so after I had my first son, 
Um, I went back to work full time, commuting um, daily. Um, and when I first went back to work, you know, I felt good mental health wise. I was good. I was enjoying being back to work. And that lasted for a couple of weeks. And then it kind of all came crashing down. Um, I think the newness of being back to work and that change in my routine was refreshing. But then I realized I wasn't getting home till 530. My son wanted to go to bed at 630. I was mm-hmm. getting an hour a day with him, um, plus mornings, but they always felt so frantic. Um, when he was sick, I constantly felt guilty about taking work off or rescheduling things. Um, you know, and having an employer that understands that need for work-life balance and supporting young working mothers is critical too. Um, so it was a challenge not being able to to have that as much as I maybe wanted it. Um, you know, and there's a, that's a whole another conversation. Um, but I think you know, kind of having, not feeling like I could be there for my son, but then also not feeling like I could be there for myself. By the time I put my son to bed, I was exhausted, knew I had another day. My husband was exhausted. We didn't spend any time together. It just didn't feel like it was working. And I know from talking to other people that I'm not the only one that felt this. Mm -hmm. Um, So then I found out I was pregnant with my second son, stayed at work obviously and you know contemplated going back to the traditional workforce after my second son but again i had another period of postpartum depression and anxiety i could see the cycle happening again and i knew if i went back into that routine with two kids now i wouldn't be able to keep up and mental health was going to to plummet i knew i had to make this change for myself so i took a complete leap i didn't have any clients when i did this i had no plan i'm the type of person that you know if you launch a business, you should have a five-year business plan. I, mm-hmm. I didn't even know what I was going to call my business. I didn't even know. I had, I had no idea. But what I knew was that for my mental health and for my family, I needed to be home more and navigate my own blend while also still getting that fire and fuel and passion for my career. Because I knew I couldn't walk away from that either because um, the nonprofit sector is extremely important to me. So it's, it's you know, figuring all that out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I just like, I, that's amazing. And I, I know I, I too have made changes in my life and they're really, I think it takes a lot of courage to sometimes, and, you know, I'm not talking about courage to make a, a career change. Yeah, th- th- that's definitely the case, but the courage to follow uh, an instinct within us, uh, follow um, a, a path that honors, you know, what we need and it doesn't always um, you know, we don't always know what that is going to be like. We're just kind of trying to instinctively, you know, follow uh, something that feels um, uh, safer, something that feels okay. Um, I think it takes a lot of courage and vulnerability to make those decisions. Uh, sometimes, I, you know, I, as you said, I think that there are some agencies that allow people to explore that blending of our personal lives and, and work lives um, and, and, and creating balance and honoring mental health in a way. There are some agencies out there that are rocking it. Like I got to mm-hmm. acknowledge that um, I can see really good management at times and I hear it from the, 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 the frontline workers and, and, and I hear it from management. Um, and then at the same time, I got to say, I see a lot of cases where agencies are falling short and mm-hmm. they're not, they're not um, providing a, a, an opportunity for people to um, 
follow their, you know, their, their own needs and, and, and find that balance and, and do the job at the same time. So, mm-hmm. you know, when we find ourselves in those situations where it's just not going to work in that environment, then we got to take that courageous leap and find something new. And yeah, so congrats for, for, for that. I mean, cause it's, it's not, I mean, I, it's not easy. It's not just something like, yeah. And then I just decided to do this. I mean, yeah. there's a lot, a lot of emotional energy that goes into that and risk. Um, so, but there was just something that was in you that just, you just knew, um, like the, your own sustainability wasn't going to work in that if you just kept in that loop and you needed to make a change. Absolutely. And it's funny because, um, especially if you knew me before children, I was very goal oriented. I was very career focused. I was very driven. I had a very clear goal of where, and you know, career trajectory of where I wanted to be. And I was working at it. I was getting there. I was moving closer and closer. Um, but I, I felt peaceful with walking away from it all. Um, because like you said, I trusted that kind of that intuition, that inner voice that was kind of saying, this doesn't feel right. And part of me, I had to navigate that feeling of, did I fail? Did I fail myself in these goals? But then I realized, no, I've, I've just stepped onto a new path or a new, you know, trajectory and, and it's going to take me somewhere that, you know, I didn't envision. And that's exciting. Yeah. 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 That trust in, in self. Mm -hmm. I always, I'm always on repeat. I'm always telling people that, you know, my definition of self-care is um, the deliberate practice of knowing what you need and what you want, taking responsibility for it, and then honoring, uh, living your life in a way that honors those needs and desires. And um, so I think of that quote as, as you just tell your story that it, mm-hmm. it, it is, it's sometimes there's these moments where we just need to, um, you know, take leadership of our own lives and, and make new decisions. Um, it's not easy, but if we realize that the, the decisions that are made outside of us are, are counter to what we need and what we want, then, you know, it, it's, it's really empowering when we take responsibility for that and we say, you know what, like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take the lead on this. So what did it look like for you as you transitioned from, um, you know, busy working mom to entrepreneur mom, and um, what did that what did that shift start to look like for you? Um, what did the change look like? Did you see an improvement right away? Um, hmm, I think I did because again, I was fueled by the passion of building something that I was very excited and about and nervous about, but I was also fueled by the fact that if I needed to put my two-year-old down for a nap, I could schedule that in my day, pop home, put him down for a nap, snuggle him, and then get back out to um, client meetings. And that right there for what I need to do. Um, you know, I think in regular pre-COVID times, I would say people always focus on their performance, you know, that we have to be the best in all areas of life. We need to be a superstar employee, an awesome mom, a business leader, um, you know, be a strong support for our partner. And these things are true, but we put so much pressure on ourselves. And I think when I started my business, I released some of that pressure and it felt good. And I'm not saying that I don't struggle with it. I still do. I mean, you know, when I'm on a work call and my kids are knocking at my office door and I'm like, can you please go away for two minutes? <laughs> you know, that's, that's hard, but I think that's it's also real and most people deal with it. Um, 
so yeah, the days, like all of a sudden I eliminated daycare drop-offs. I was able to uh, get, take those out of my calendar. Um, you know, sick days weren't as much of an issue. They still are because I'm a solo entrepreneur. So there's nobody else that can do the work when my kids are sick. Um, but I, I can figure it out a little bit more. When my husband comes home, I can jump on at work. There's not this expectation that I need to be there nine to five. Um, you know, there's no this this butts and seats thing that so many companies are focused on. Um, moving away from that really released a lot of pressure on me and my family's daily routine. Um, it is. It's, sometimes it's the small things, like just the, the opportunities to be able to adapt um, and be responsive to, you know, um, the, you know, our changing situation, our changing mood, uh, our environment, the, you know, what are the, the states that our kids are in. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I think that uh, that's really that's really a big part of my my self care and and maintaining my own mental health is as long as I stay in this place where I can continue to sort of be fluid and move through situations and adapt um, then I feel more stable once mm -hmm. I start getting locked into situations where there's like deadlines and expectations and relying on other people to do things for me or, or um, you know, restrictions around the, with the kids or so, stuff like that, then I start to feel the pressure again. Um, and so even though I don't necessarily have a, a nine to five job myself or work for an employer, I can still find myself all of a sudden falling back into that into that um, situation where it's just like, oh man, I got all these people asking something for me. I've got all these deadlines coming up and then something happens like a kid gets sick and mm -hmm. I'm back to being like, I'm stuck again. You know, how did I, how do I dig myself back into this hole where when I work so hard to stay uh, out of it, to stay above it and um, stay fluid and, and adaptable. So yeah, I can relate to that for sure. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is, what a lot of people in the nonprofit sector deal with. I mean, um, there is a lot of pressure to show up. And even though, you know, you described yourself as a solo entrepreneur, I think there's a lot of people who work in nonprofits who are in the same boat. It's like, they know, well, if I don't show up to work and, and, and do this job today, meet with these clients, make those calls, accomplish those tasks, nobody else is, is going to do it. Nobody else is there to, to, to fill those shoes. So it's a lot of, it's, it's, it's still that, that common experience that so many of us experience, whether it be, you know, public sector, private, nonprofit, um, there's, you know, where we get this idea that if I don't do it, there's something catastrophic is going to happen mm -hmm. <laughs> and we it, sometimes it's self-inflicted pressure sometimes it's very real you know like sometimes yeah. there really are consequences that happen when we don't show up but that's uh that's that's definitely something that i think a lot of us can can relate to of trying to navigate yeah. that pressure and i think um you know definitely i see that and obviously my lens is on the nonprofit sector but i can really see that because our this sector requires you know many hours beyond the traditional work hours. You know, you have board meetings in our sector, you know, we're, we're wanting to and encouraged to volunteer beyond our traditional jobs. Um, and there's also yeah, a sense of pressure for those working in our sector, whether it's fundraising or whether it's frontline staff, like you're working to solve some of the world's largest problems, like hunger, shelter, healthcare, education. 
And you can't just turn that off when you go home. And that's, that's challenging. And I think that that's something in our sector that, you know, we need to continue to address and, and support, especially, you know, when you also compare salary rates in, you know, the nonprofit sector. So there's a lot there that, you know, can add a lot of pressure, um, stress, and, you know, lead and, you know, what you're the expert on this, but lead to compassion fatigue because you you see so much every day and it really is hard. And I would say naturally people that are drawn to the nonprofit sector are naturally more empathetic. So it makes it even more challenging. Um, But yeah. Yeah. It's not just about showing up to work and taking the energy to get the job done but it's the mm-hmm. emotional energy that goes into it as well and so there there can be fatigue that happens uh in you know in all areas of our lives you know mentally emotionally spiritually and definitely physically <laughs> like just keeping up with the, the physical demand of doing the work for sure yeah. yeah so have you been so i mean we're in the middle of a t- pandemic <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can't, like, oh yeah and on all those things that we just mentioned and then <laughs> there's just one more thing to add um so you know and we've chatted a little bit already you know like what you know here we are still continuing to do good work we still are are, are profoundly aware of the vulnerability of people out in our communities who are struggling maybe even more so now um, mm-hmm. or, or kind of that maybe even that group is some is in some ways growing that vulnerable sector is like changing so um you know maybe you can speak to how how you've been coping um with this change um how that's played a role in your mental health and your ability to practice self-care and manage that balance like the balance is like had to like be redefined, I, I think in my case. Um, and then maybe too, I don't know, are you talking to other people and are you getting a sense of how people are coping out there as well in the nonprofit sector? What are, what are your thoughts on, on this, the impact of the pandemic these days? Yeah, uh, I totally agree. Balance is kind of just thrown to the aside right now and we're all trying to figure out this new normal. We're all doing it together. And I feel like when I've, you know, talk to people who are managing it better, I would say that they're giving themselves that, you know, opportunity to give themselves grace to say, I'm not going to be a superstar employee today. I'm not going to be a superstar mom today. I'm not going to be a superstar parent today. I'm doing the best that I can. Um, But that's, that's hard. And so especially, you know, just touching base on the nonprofit sector, they're facing incredible, incredible, like pressure right now, because a lot of them are serving this vulnerable population and you know they are working but they're not technically frontline staff they're not essential workers but they're still out there you know in homeless shelters providing care essential care to people but you know they might not have the proper personal protective equipment and they're facing all of these things and then you know i'm seeing a lot of smaller organizations really struggle because they don't have like the cash reserves to get through something like this. Um, So there's an increased pressure on fundraising, but often these small shops are run by an executive director and they don't have a fundraiser. So this executive director is trying to navigate how to manage staff through a crisis, how to do a lot of work virtually, um, how to fundraise in this when they're not a fundraising expert, you know, and then they're competing with their board members who are saying, oh, we shouldn't fundraise in this climate, despite the data showing that people are being incredibly generous right now. Um, 
it's it's incredibly challenging um you know and, and for me that emotional toll of seeing others struggling um because i work with a few small shops is really tough right and i'm like okay well i i have to solve their problem mm. But I also, I can't be responsible for solving a whole organization's problem. I'm going to do the best that I can and give them the tools and the resources. And, you know, I, I feel like I've been putting in a ton of extra time with my clients because I care so much. Um, but then, you know, I have to remember, I have to have a four-year-old and two-year-old at home and I want to spend time with them and make their lives feel normal. Um, and I also need to take care of myself. And so, so that has been a challenge. Um, you know, and so the one thing that I've kind of found really helpful, especially as kind of a solo entrepreneur, um, is reaching out to others. So really talking to my mentors, making sure that I'm spending time on networking, which seems and sounds frivolous right now, but is more important because it's keeping me grounded. It's, you know, reminding me that I'm not the only one that feels like this right now. Everybody's kind of navigating a new normal, um, you know, and even talking to other mothers because right now like and parents like parenthood is a whole different ball game like you're trying to homeschool you don't even know how to homeschool you know everybody's trying their very best and I think that you have to realize that that you know and not be so critical of other people and not be so critical on yourself um, and I think you know something that's really helped me through all of this is changing my perspective on things so there's really no other time likely in life where you're going to have this much family time and that's kind of the silver lining. And that's not to say, don't feel guilty that you're working and your kids are playing, just like even taking in the moment, um, you know, when we were talking before how you said you're working, but you can look out the window and see your three kids having a blast playing outside. Like those are special moments, you know, and instead of feeling guilty that you can't be there and outside playing with them, realize that you can witness that and you don't necessarily always get to do that. Um, yeah, it's all, it, it really, what it, you're saying, and I think I've been a broken record with this message for the last five weeks too. It's, it, it, you know, we can't control what is happening with this pandemic, but we can control how we respond to it. Yeah. And so it really boils down to what kind of mindset we, um, we try to have. So, and so again, when I think about like, okay, what, what's really helped me and and others in in finding balance okay it's the flow letting things flow and being adaptable okay, so then i can look out to that backyard and go look at my kids adapting look at how i'm finding you know we're we're, we're flowing through this we we keep moving we keep laughing we keep playing um and so even though there's so much uncertainty there's a few things that are quite predictable you know which is like our love and you know our, our connections and things like that mm -hmm. and i think that comes back to a little bit too of like how how can you keep hope alive and how you had mentioned you know like there's so much happening right now and for people in the nonprofit sector we're very aware that this a lot of this was happening prior to this um but now in the midst of a global health pandemic everything's you know under the microscope everything is seems greater and it is right now um so i think it's so important to kind of focus on the moving stories you hear the one story of hope and the one story that gives you goosebumps the one that brings you smiles because if you focus on like you know there's thousands of people that are facing potentially global you know hunger you know in in some of the developing countries 
that's pretty tough. But if you can focus on one great story, even if it's in your local community of, you know, somebody dropping off groceries to somebody who didn't have the funds this week, you know, let that warm your soul and keep hope alive. Um, because again, if you're focusing on those big problems all the time, like not one person can solve them. You can be an advocate and you can do everything, but if you feel that pressure and weight of, you know, a global problem on your shoulders, that's, you know, an exceptional amount of weight to carry. But if you can focus on, you know, that you're making an impact even in one person's life, um, that's extremely, extremely significant. Absolutely. Yeah. Keeping, keeping hope alive and keep keeping, um, our, ourselves sort of in, in sync with, uh, like a realistic, uh, purpose, right? Mm -hmm. So the purpose is not to save anyone or save everyone, but it's really just to like stay in sync with our values and, and keep showing up and however we do that. And I think the other thing I was thinking of too, is that that's like, so the negative stories are so obvious. They're so in our face, but it's the positive stuff that you have to be really much more deliberate about seeking out right like the you know you have to sort of be scanning the world all the time being like okay where's where's the compassion where's yes. where where where's the helpfulness you know um and uh i i think a conversation i was having the other day with some folks about going to the grocery store and just like everybody sort of being like uptight and everybody uh, you know kind of looking at each other like 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 a threat you know and and I was like, yeah, you know, like that, that's hard because there's this like perception that like people are being like rude, you know, or people are standoffish or whatever. And, and it's harder to sort of see, well, even I was like jokingly saying like somebody could be smiling at me and I might not even notice because they're wearing a mask or something like that, you know, so it's like, so I just had to sort of like balance that perspective out again and 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 even in my mind go, okay, this is not rude people. This is just people who are kind of stressed out in an environment that's like changed and not ideal right now. But uh, so I catch myself with sort of like labeling like that, but then I also am like, okay, I'm like, when I'm out, which is very rare these days, you know, <laughs> on my way to the grocery store, like my five minute drive down the street, I'm like scanning, 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 you know, like looking for some, something good. Even I've noticed like with spring here every day, I'm like looking for like new growth and like new blossoms. Right. And, you know, and it's just like, it really keeps hope alive and it keeps that balance, that negativity bias we've got already programmed in our brain. We got to, we got to go out and see seek um stuff and i think when we really can personalize the stories and bring them close to our heart you know like not just like this like kind of like something on a grander scale but like really get into the small stuff and and connect with a personal story i think that really helps and i'm sure that's like a, a something that makes a difference in the fundraising world right when people people are willing to um uh donate and um when they can connect to a personal element of like what they're donating to um and yeah it, like it's a new, it's a pathway to our hearts is getting that personalization yeah like i think in the nonprofit sector we always talk about storytelling um mm -hmm. you know and some people are oh this is a fad or this is you know it's overrated but it's not because it's those stories that donors are making these things possible that are giving people goosebumps it's those stories that are restoring hope and these are real stories and you know, even if it took a hundred donors to help, you know, one person get groceries that week or, you know, one person, 
recover from a mental health breakdown. Like that is incredible. Um, and I think focusing on those, those small stories is exactly what you said. And I think, you know, also, yeah, I get that, you know, we really do have to scan and look harder for these good news stories um, because the media can really kind of play a huge role right now in kind of threatening that hope and compassion. Um, and to be honest, like I've had to remove myself from watching news as much as I was because it just kind of puts you in this path of negativity. Um, and I've heard that from so many people, right? So it's important to stay up to date on current affairs, but you know, I, I like to look at and focus on some of the positive stories and share positive news stories with my family and friends too, because I know we all need to hear that right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we always did, but now more than ever. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you, you talked about like networking and building connections. Uh, how, how are you doing that now considering we can't do that face to face? How are you adapting to, uh, to this it's, new way of connecting with people? <laughs> honestly, all virtually. Um, and it is odd, like, you know, um, I really am, I love grabbing coffee with people. Um, and I can't, you know, can't do that right now. And obviously like everyone, I'm really struggling with not seeing like my extended family. Um, it's so tough and it's so tough to also explain that to my children. Um, but again, I'm focusing on the things that I can change. So organizing trivia night with friends virtually or, you know, family charades, or we've been mailing out artwork to people and asking them to send us back artwork, just little mm -hmm. things that you're, you know, you're interacting with people. Um, I think, and that's kind of on a family side and then on more, you know, professional side and business side, making sure that I'm scheduling in my calendar at least once a week, a networking update call with, um, you know, somebody in my sector or somebody that, you know, is going to motivate me or that, you know, I could maybe set, shed some motivation towards. Um, that's, you know, kind of how I'm focusing on it. Um, and, and it's been really helpful just connecting with people. And the other thing too, is I, and I set aside, you know, a monthly time to do gratitude activities. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm really making sure that was something that, you know, I would easily push off my radar if I was super swamped. Um, but I'm really making sure I'm doing them right now because it's so important, whether it's just an email saying, you know, I really appreciate all the work that you're doing and just letting people know that you're thinking about them. Like I've gotten a couple of those in the last little while and it's brought such a big smile to my face and warmed my heart, especially in times when everybody really needs it. So I think it's like pushing yourself to be a bit more kinder, pushing yourself to focus on gratitude and making sure that you're connecting with people in whatever way you can, which is mostly virtually. But, you know, there's also the power of, you know, uh, an email or a handwritten note. I don't want to put pressure on the postal system and, you know, <laughs> encourage people to write handwritten notes right now, but there's power to all of that as well. And it, it shouldn't just happen during this time. It should be happening all the time. Yeah. Gratitude's so, so important. And, and, and I mean, there's been so much re research just uh, around that, that actually, we actually can measure the change that it creates in people's lives in terms of um, their, their, uh, you know, their psychological impact, but also in a literally a, a, a physical impact that it actually uh, changes our brain physically when we engage in, in gratitude exercises. And I think that, um, 
yeah, I mean, you, you, like a lot of people talk about gratitude actually that you're doing like writing down three grateful things that, you know, we can reflect on and kind of scanning the world for things that were, that are positive or that we're grateful for. But I really like that other element of the gratitude exercise too, which is sort of externalizing the, the gratitude, sending it out to someone. Um, and it kind of creates this ripple effect because I, again, you reflected on how good it feels when you receive gratitude from another. Yeah. And so you're sort of like recreating that, that good feeling that you can relate to in another. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that's something that um, I do a lot as well. And I, I've used apps on my phone for that, you know, gratitude apps. And um, I, the other part of, I can relate to that. I've been doing, uh, making little cards and handwritten notes with my kids. And part of it is just to keep them like off the screens and doing something creative yeah. and like something with a purpose, you know, but I think that that's really powerful in and of itself as well. Like that, that we find um, there's, you know, two parts of that. One is trying to engage with our creative mind because when we're all kind of like stressed out right now, our creative mind is a little less accessible. And so if we can kind of keep that link alive and try to get cre in, in creative ways, even writing an email, right? It, it requires some, 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 some brain work there, like being like, okay, I want to find the right words to express this message. And I think that's really grounding and good for ourselves right now is to sort of practice some of these creative mindsets. And, um, um, and, and then in, in doing that, that there's like purpose, uh, there's meaning making in it. And that's really important uh, during this time too, right? Is, is, uh, is, is going, okay, you know what? I have, I have a goal. It's a small, simple goal, and that's to create joy in somebody else and express this gratitude. And, and, and again, what an opportunity, because so oftentimes our lives get so busy that we don't even have time for these things or we back burner it. We have the intention, but we don't necessarily put the, the time and energy aside to do it. And, and maybe during this time, like there's a little bit of little bit more room to to bring those things to the fore, or maybe it's just that we feel like it's even more important that we're like no actually it's a, it's an even greater priority to bring those to to the top of the list of priorities so yeah i really appreciate that too a reminder that gratitude is is really important i do an exercise with my kids uh, quite often at bedtime we call it the 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 rose the um it's we were you it's called the well the rose the bud the thorn um so the rose is something beautiful that happened today so i ask them you know what was the rose today and they'll say you know something that something beautiful something awesome um the thorn is a challenge that they faced something you know, difficult or something they didn't like, or usually they say like, I stubbed my toe and it really hurts. Yeah. Like <laughs> um, it's like, okay, yeah. Like it's, it's, it's a moment to just give space to that and honor the fact that like, you know what, today wasn't all great. There were moments that were, that were hard. And then the bud is something that you're looking forward to or something that's a, a kind of a, like on the way to blossoming. So, so something that maybe they learned at school or um, usually nowadays they're like, I saw this on YouTube. <laughs> like, okay, well, that's, was, it wasn't the home learning goals that, that I thought we'd have, but I'm glad you found something new on YouTube. <laughs> but it, you know, it, it gets the mind thinking about, it kind of comes full circle to what we were talking about at the beginning about maintaining that mind, that balanced mindset that every day has a rose, has a thorn, and has a bud all, all within it. And uh, if we can keep the mind sort of rotating through understanding um, 
you know, the, all the all the, the parts uh, at work. I think that that's really helpful in in uh, in practicing self care right now and keeping ourselves grounded during pretty difficult and uncertain times. You know, so maybe mm -hmm. there's uh, you know perhaps we're learning some things during this time about self care and about our mental health that we'll be able to carry forward when oh, I you know. Really hope so. Exchange. Yeah, yeah. I think there's you know lots of silver linings in all of this and the, you know and looking and reflecting on your lifestyle and how you know you might want to move forward or you know just even from like a, a selfish standpoint like maybe more people will move to working virtually so that they can manage um you know the work-life blend and balance a little bit more because people can see that you can be quite productive um yeah. it can also be quite challenging but um yeah it's again focusing on the silver linings linings and having that positive perspective Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like we can be resistant to change, but then when change is forced upon us, then all of a sudden we're like, oh, maybe it wasn't as scary as, as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and that might be an outcome out of this too. Yeah. So uh, before we end the interview, tell me, what are, you, what are you thinking of right now in terms of practicing self-care? Like, do you have some plans going forward that you're like, you know, uh, some commitments to yourself to um, honor your needs and desires, to take care of yourself, to comfort yourself? Uh, is there some things that you wish you could do that you can't do? How, how have you been practicing self-care during this whole time? I mean, now more than ever, I feel like self-care is super important, but it's also super challenging to find that self-care time. Um, but what I've really learned in the past month or six weeks is that um, self-care doesn't have to look a certain way. Um, and you don't need to put pressure on yourself to, you know, do yoga, meditate, read, keep up with, you know, career-related articles. Um, so if you remove that pressure and look at, okay, what do I really need for self-care? Right now, through all of this, my self-care, as simple as it is, is having my morning coffee uh, while the boys quietly play Lego. And I put on like an episode from HGTV, something mindless, something that lets me escape everything that I need to be thinking about. I enjoy watching my kids play Lego, cross my fingers that they don't fight over a piece of Lego for 30 minutes. And just <laughs> kind of have that coffee is so important um is it active no is it educational no is it moving my career forward no but it gives me that moment to just be in the moment and not thinking about everything else i need to do um obviously when all this is over sure like i'd love a pedicure uh, i'd love to get back to yoga um all of those things but then you know this has also made me realize that self-care doesn't have to be all of these these things, it can be something so simple and it can have such an impact on your day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, living life with simplicity has definitely been something I've been thinking about a lot recently. And I think even before that too is, um, yeah, self-care really is less about what we do, but it's really about, about um, what we get from the moment. And, and you said too, you know, it's just being present, being in that moment and, and, and really, acknowledging you know why am i doing this why is this meaningful like i mean sure i love a good cup of coffee too but coffee doesn't like heal all things no. <laughs> it's, but it's it's the moment and it's you embracing the moment and being present and aware of what's happening and um and then you know what if the moment gets interrupted because the kids are fighting over a piece of lego you know sort of like you know 
again, letting, adapting and letting that flow, being like, okay, this wasn't our moment, but I'm going to find another moment and recreate this feeling of being present, being grounded. And maybe that's going to be watching a show. Maybe that's going to be having a coffee later. Maybe that's going to be on a walk. So again, it's less about what we're doing, but it's about recreating that, those, those moments of calm. Mm -hmm. We really need that now. I, I miss the things too. Like I realized to you know that I was like oh yeah you know like yeah, actually I miss my commute I know that's like kind of funny to yeah. say but I'm like oh, I realized a, a few weeks in I was like I haven't listened to any of like my music like uninterrupted where people are like ew I don't like your 90s music or something. <laughs> I'm like I miss my music and I realized that's when I, I was always on my commute where I would like blare it and like be like mm -hmm. bopping in my seat in the car so once I noticed that, that I was missing that, I was like, oh, well, I can recreate that. It's, it might not be in the car, but I can, I can, I can, I realize I'm missing my music and I'm going to find these moments where I can listen to my, my tunes and, and, and yeah, get that good feeling that comes from that. So yeah, definitely getting creative, right? But mm -hmm. I, I'm glad that in some ways your journey towards balance and self-care and um, began before all of this because, mm -hmm. you know, your, your ability to adapt and, and tune in to what you need right now is probably already, you know, you've already got a little bit of those skills um, and experience to, to be able to get through these tough times. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it's not all sunshine and roses all the time. And certainly, you know, I always encourage if anybody wants to just chat with me you know not that I'm a professional in this but just to have somebody to have that you know shared perspective I'm always open to connecting and people can reach out to me on uh, LinkedIn Twitter um, I'm, I'm always available for a quick chat um, just to share you know those shared experiences and know that you're not alone in all of these feelings for sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for this chat. And I'll definitely add your, your contact info um, to the description of this episode. Um, so people know how to get in touch with you. Um, yeah. So take, take gentle care, Lacey. I'm, I'm really happy to have this conversation and they, they may, they mean a lot to me too. These are these uh, uh, moments of connection that I think make a difference in, in my weeks as, as we go through this. So thanks again. Thanks so much for having me, Amanda.